Welcome to the TNL Talks Podcast. I'm Chris Galloway, Director of Teaching and Learning in Floresville ISD. And I'm Olivia Bailey, the Literacy Specialist for Floresville ISD. Welcome to episode 16 of the TNL Talks Podcast. We're excited this week because we're interviewing a panel of guests, our FISD VOCA coordinator and our VOCA counselors who will be sharing with us an event that's coming up this weekend as well as different things and activities that are going on in the district. I was really excited for this week's guests because I think that there are a lot of members in our community and staff who maybe aren't aware of all of the services that our counselors offer here at Floresville. Absolutely. So let's get right to it. We're here with the FISD VOCA grant coordinator and our three VOCA counselors. Would you guys like to introduce yourself? My name is Tanya Anderson and I am the VOCA grant coordinator for Floresville Independent School District. I am a licensed clinical social worker with supervisor status in our state and I also provide counseling at the two elementary schools are Floresville North Elementary and Floresville South Elementary. My name is Jennifer Rivas and I'm an LMSW and I am at the middle school campus with Floresville ISD and I provide counseling, crisis counseling, case management for families and students. I'm Priscilla Guerra. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I am working at the Floresville High School with 9th through 12th graders doing counseling, group counseling with some of the staff, and any crisis counseling. I'm Bianca Ramos and I am a licensed master social worker in the state of Texas. I am placed at the alternative school where I do individual counseling, seven mindsets SEL groups, and work with our staff to incorporate SEL. And this year I have also been working at Floresville North. Well, thank you for taking the time to meet with us. We know you have a busy schedule. Just so our listeners know, you guys all started last year and were hired based on a grant. As a coordinator, could you kind of explain what that grant is and how it helps our district? Sure. The VOCA grant stands for Victims of Crime Act. This was a grant that was awarded to Floresville Independent School District along with several community partners. This grant was awarded following the mass shooting that occurred in Sutherland Springs. We are able to come into the school district and offer mental health and crisis services to students, their families, our staff, and support to the community by way of education and outreach. One of the outreach projects that we're actually working on right now is the 10th of October is World Mental Health Day. We are going to be kicking off a series of town hall type spots that will be on our Facebook page. VOCA counselors have a Facebook page. We have some community partners that will be presenting on different topics and we have opened that up to answer questions for anyone in our community that has any kind of question related to mental health and they can email those to us or put them in any of the comment sections of our Facebook page and then we will work to get answers to those questions and publish them on our Facebook page. You mentioned that the grant came about because of the unfortunate mass shooting at Southern Springs. You do not have to be a victim or tied to that to be receive services from the group? Right. As members of the community, everyone is an indirect victim of this tragedy. 
most people in the community have at least heard of it, if not were directly affected by it or someone that they know was injured or lost to this tragedy, that can create in a community a sense of fear or a sense of grief and loss, a trauma to a community as a whole. We have a shared trauma as members of this community. And so we are able to work with people that were indirectly impacted as well as directly impacted. I know recently some of our students received a survey regarding social-emotional learning. What is the purpose of that survey and how will it be used by the group? Social-emotional learning survey that we put out was to help us identify areas of potential intervention to support what the district is already doing with the seven mindsets curriculum that was put into place this year. You know, previously our district has participated in Capturing Kids Hearts, which is still very actively used throughout our district, and we have reinforced that by with the purchase of the curriculum seven mindsets. Social emotional learning curriculums by way of repetition and positive messages are able to help kids, even in the face of adverse experiences, to be able to be successful in their learning endeavors. And so we're big supporters of social emotional learning. The Panorama platform that we used to launch that survey helps us to look at the data and be able to model some of our interventions in education from a mental health perspective for our kids. Uh, Bianca has been super involved at the Alternative Campus in SELs. So Seven Mindsets was really created by a group of researchers that went all around the world and were trying to figure out what made people happy and successful. And they found that they all were kind of different, right? Some of them might have been married, some of them were really wealthy, and some of them were not. So they were like, what is tying you guys together? What do you have in common? And they found it was seven ways of thinking, so seven mindsets that really made them happy and successful people. The curriculum is great because it's K through 12, caters to all our students, and it also builds on top of each other. So each course, you know, really builds skills and does that repetition that is so important to really have our kids thinking in these positive ways. I think doing the lessons, right, for our kids, um, you can see light bulbs going off, right? And some things that, as adults, we may take for granted, like having big dreams or following our passions are things that, you know, children need to be taught. When you see those light bulbs going off, you really see an impact that it has on the way they're thinking. And I can see the progress, even when we did dream boards, so it was one of the activities under everything is possible. It really just showed something inside them that their minds are changing and the way they're thinking changes. And it opens up them to be a better learner. One of the questions I have when we're talking about social emotional learning is in our district this year, we have a large number, really half of our students who are remote learning. Could you maybe speak to how we're meeting the needs um, of those students in terms of social emotional who aren't on the campuses? So the great thing about Seven Minds is, is you can share the link to the students and they can watch the exact same lesson with the exact same videos. And it's incredibly user-friendly. I have set up a Google Classroom depending on their age level where they can access the link and answer the discussion questions. Although our plan is asynchronous, I do host a certain time period where they, I can actually teach them the lessons live um, if they want to engage in that discussion with me. Otherwise, they are more than welcome to do it on their own time and really still gain that information. Every campus rolled out this curriculum a little bit differently, giving it their own 
flavor and you know adding the the culture of, of their environment each campus had different players that were part of the rollout while Bianca has been very integral at the alternative campus and getting it rolled out other campuses have different players in place that are pushing that forward but the great thing about this particular curriculum is that it is technology based so remote learners are able to get the same lessons at home that the kids that are here in person can get and it's very easy for our teachers to use, very easy for our administrators to use, so principals are able to get newsletters out very easily and integrate the program. I'm a parent listening to this podcast and I'm thinking to myself, well where's the instruction? Where's the math, the reading, the social studies, the science? Taking instruction time to do SEL instruction, why is that important? Are we not missing instruction time? How does that help my student who's a student in FISD? I always say when our kids are not thinking these ways to be happy and successful, they're going to say, what's the point of learning math if I'm not going to use this later, right? Or what's the point of doing well in school? But it's because you want to make your dreams possible, right? And you want to be successful and achieve great things and education is part of that but if we're not getting our kids to think in a way that's saying like I need to think big and I need to dream big but what's the first step right because that's also part of SEO like how do we make goals and how do we achieve those goals and if our kids are not thinking that way it's going to be much harder for them to really prioritize maybe academics and you know the stuff that our school district provides them. Do you think that part of the job that you guys have is removing some of the barriers to education, barriers to learning? Right, that's exactly what the idea behind reinforcing traditional education with social emotional learning. Because what happens is you are removing some of the barriers to learning when kids have trauma, when they have adverse childhood experiences, when they have just stress anxiety, the things that we all have because we have a shared trauma right now with the COVID pandemic and we have a shared trauma with the tragedy that occurred in, in our community. And so when kids are dealing with these things outside of the learning environment, it makes it very difficult. It is a barrier for their brain to handle and process those things while they're trying to learn new information. Some of what we do by helping in crisis, by helping with mental health, by supporting our campuses with the social emotional learning objectives. We're helping to for kids to be able to, in spite of adversity, be able to be more successful learners. Why is it that I hear nowadays that kids are more stressed than they were when we were kids? And why is it that nowadays it seems like the kids have more things that they have to work through just to get through the school day where even in the 90s is when I went to high school it seems like that there wasn't as much conversations around needing social emotional learning and anxiety and stress and trauma these are all things that I don't think were our teachers were hearing why, why is this so important for all teachers to understand and, and why is it the kids today are so different yeah. So one of the big studies that came out of Center for Disease Control was the ACE study. And so when we talk about adverse childhood experiences, we're talking specifically about what that study found. And that study was done in the late 90s. Okay. Um, and so one of the things that they found, and I think there were, Bianca and Priscilla, Jennifer, you all had this training too, but like, was it about 70, 17,000? 
It was People a large, that. It large was a number. really large number um, pool of uh, research. And of all different socioeconomic backgrounds, all different races, all different kinds of people, all walks of life, all different professions, the thing that they started finding was that kids that had higher scores, or adults actually, that as children had higher scores of adverse childhood experiences, they were very closely related to high risk behaviors as well as closely related to medical problems like heart disease and stroke and diabetes, high mental health needs, depression, anxiety, and these kinds of things. Again, that study was, was done in the late 90s. With the correlations that they found, it became very apparent that there, you know, there needs to be some greater protective factors that we're putting into place for kids that may not otherwise get those same opportunities to have increased protective factors. And so we know now, right, that in the school setting we play a big role in how kids respond in traumatic situations or crises or stress because we're here with them day after day, every day, building relationships. They learn how to trust other adults besides maybe their trusted adult outside of the school setting. So relationship is very important, protective factor. You know, some people would say that we had more protective factors back then than we do now. That's a possibility. We also have just different things that kids are dealing with now that didn't exist back then, like social media, which, you know, we can use to do wonderful and great things, and we do every day. But also, you know, we know out of that too has come cyberbullying and, and uh, different things like this. And so there's a lot of factors that have increased that contribute to the adversity, and maybe there are more limitations and barriers on what we would consider protective factors for kids. I think as a school district, we have a certain level of responsibility to help build some of the protective factors that, that protect kids from being victims of adversity and being able to thrive and be successful in spite of adversity. And I think that Floresville has done a really good job of addressing that through being supporters of social-emotional learning and of mental health. I just want to add, I also think mental health is very slow-moving. It takes a long time for us to learn new things, for new treatment to come out. Maybe in the 90s, we didn't know as much, but also it's more socially acceptable to talk about it because we do know more. Mm -hmm. Mental health is now in schools, you know, that would have been taboo in the 90s. It's on TV all the time, celebrities are talking about it. When students are starting to find these things in themselves, they're telling their friends and then their friends are learning about themselves and I think, you know, kids are getting educated sooner. It was probably there in the 90s regardless of what we know now, but we're just more knowledgeable and it's less of a stigma. There's still a stigma, but there's less of a stigma now to talk about it. That makes sense. And I heard you talk about relationships. I wanna make a connection back to academics for a moment. A lot of research on, on leadership in education, relationships is number one as far as how to turn around a district, which makes me think, especially as a teacher in a classroom, all the way down to that level, the relationship you have with a student is gonna help with transmission of that learning from the teacher to the student, but also relationship with adults from teacher to teacher, collaboration, but also teacher to supervisor, up to the superintendent who has to have a relationship with the employees to lead them. 
So I think it's super important what you're talking about. And to me, that sounds like it anchors back to our portrait of a graduate. It talks about being 21st century learners, but being able to collaborate, problem solve. And I feel like that's something that you all can help with those skills. Am I correct in that? SEL really is teaching you how to problem solve. That's one of the, you know, making good decisions, responsible decision making, that's problem solving. You know, we're really giving them the skills and the tools that really will make them effective adults. I also think engaging in individual counseling, like we're establishing a trusted relationship as an adult to a student, they start to learn that they can trust others. And then also we teach them communication skills, problem solving skills, and kind of take away maybe their frustration with academics from the picture of the teacher. They're, they're able to separate that, that maybe it's not this, the teacher or the administrator that's bad, it might just be the problem that they need to get through. All those things you just discussed, those skills you just discussed as a teenager is going to be helping remove barriers to learning. But correct me if I'm wrong, if we don't address those now as adults, those transition into substance abuse, different types of activities that could land them in, in prison, arrested, those type of things, how they act out because they don't know how to address those feelings. Am I correct in saying that? Working in mental health, I've worked in mental health for 15 and a half years. So I've seen a lot, so yes, I've worked with all populations, geriatrics, adults, children, adolescents. So if we can help these kids now, this is the best time, so they can learn those healthy coping skills right now and learn how to deal with those problems as adults, because it, be, it will lead to unhealthy habits, habits. <laughs> activities, yes, yeah. like substance abuse, drugs. Bad relationships, those mm -hmm. types of things. Unhealthy relationships. Yeah. Poor decisions, mm -hmm. judgment. Also working with adults in the past, and when I was transitioning to working with kids, I was letting them know this is what I'm going to be doing now. And they immediately were able to acknowledge that if they had some intervention in between then, their life would be completely different. You get that insight, but it's very hard to change as an adult versus as a teenager. It's still possible, but there's more barriers. So I'm curious from a teacher perspective in terms of feedback that you're getting from teachers and staff who are working with students. What have they had to say about the seven mindsets or the capturing kids' hearts in terms of helping them to build those relationships? Because that's one thing that you know they're not coming out of college prepared to do. There's no course on how to build a relationship or or how to address those emotional needs. So what are teachers saying about what we're doing here at FISD? I think they see the meaning, they see the impact. We're at the Alternative Center most of the time, so of course our kids are considered high risk, at risk. Educating teachers, right, because that's part of our job really to help teachers incorporate SEO into classrooms and into the relationship building, allowing them to see like, this is not just behavior that's bad, like this is bad behavior, this kid is acting out in class, they really can understand where that's coming from, whether that's trauma or not having those skills yet. And I think they find it beneficial that the, it makes the kids more ready to learn and it makes it easier to make those relationships. I think our kids, especially there, have kind of been sent there for behavior issues and they might feel like school's not for them. So they might come in a little bit oppositional, so the teachers really have to use those skills to build that relationship to really change their mind about learning and academics. And I feel that teachers can see the impact, and especially with the trauma-informed part too, knowing that you know kids don't really want to get in trouble. I think most people like to receive praise in general, and knowing that those behaviors are coming from a place of trauma, 
mm -hmm. and I think that really allows them, you know, to see it in that way. I think that that's important that you mentioned that you're at the alternative school, and I know that there's really a culture of social emotional learning over there. It's been there for a few years now with Angela Garcia, the principal, who's really led that. And if it can work at the alternative school with kids from 13 different districts where they may not have any SEL curriculum coming in, if it can work there, it can work in any classroom. I think sometimes teachers try SEL, like Olivia said, they've never gone through training for it through their program to become a teacher, and then they try it a couple times and it doesn't work in their eyes and they just stop. But I think if it can work at the alternative school where students are already at another level of of meeting support, more so than probably the standard kid in the classroom. That says something about, to a teacher, that maybe mm -hmm. this is something I need to look really hard at and keep working at, and it takes time to build that culture even in your own classroom. I agree. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Garcia has done a great job, right, in really doing SEO in every classroom. You know, even over there, our staff, we do SEO activities for them during our staff meetings. So it is a culture you have to buy into, but the benefits are great. I think also teachers unknowingly are already doing SEL because they are naturally wanting more for the kids and encouraging for uh, to the kids. And so they might not even know, like, hey, I already have these skills. And you can really see the difference because the kids, those are normally their favorite teachers. And so I think some of those are natural skills also. What kind of activities do you guys have coming up? Do you have anything for the community that might be coming up? Anything that you want to share with the community? We would love for the community to participate in our October mental health spots that we're going to be doing on our Facebook page and to send us any questions that they have regarding mental health issues or, or support needs so that we can help with those things. We are going to be having collaborators from the community that are going to participate in that and it'll start this Saturday, October the 10th. The World Health Organization has some big virtual events that they're doing for World Mental Health Day, and so you can find those on the WHO website. But there's you know, several celebrities that are gonna be participating and, and uh, music groups and things like that. And every, so much is available virtually now, especially with the, the pandemic that maybe hadn't been before. It's a very different and challenging time for all of us, but in some ways it's been very exciting to see what, what people can do with technology and how resilient we are as a community and as a culture. As a staff member, are staff members able to reach out to you for support? Absolutely. Yes, we provide coaching, individual counseling to staff as well. We also have done self-care presentations and we are willing to go do this again. We are also doing a newsletter now, which last month was our first issue and it's going out through the FISD newsletter that goes out monthly. So we also share tips on there for our staff and our community members. And we linked that into our Facebook page as well. Please reach out if you need us. We are ready and willing to help. And also follow our Facebook page. Uh, we post stuff daily during the school week. Uh, mindfulness tips, self-care tips. We talk about gratitude and being thankful and wellness. How does someone get to the Facebook page? Is it linked on the FISD website? I don't know if it's on the website, but you can go to facebook.com backslash FISDVOCA. It's easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also accept referrals, so if you're worried about another student, a friend, um, you can reach out to us. And if, if you're in doubt of where to find us, just go to any counseling office on one of the school campuses. 
We also have a Google referral form that people can complete and that is linked into our newsletter and can also be accessed from the FISD webpage. If you go to departments, you can go to social work. From the social work page, you can get the vocal counselors. Perfect. Thank you guys. You guys are super passionate, obviously, about your job and it makes me so happy to know that we have such great people, caring people, knowledgeable people, looking out for our SEL needs here in the district and the community. Yes, thank you for everything you're doing for our students and our staff and our community. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Wow, Chris, that was a great interview. You know what I loved about it was in our district, I'm sure that parents here, their children talk about social emotional learning and capturing kids' hearts and maybe the seven mindset lessons. I think this gives parents a lot of information about what that is, but also how we're supporting teachers within the district with implementing that in the classrooms and supporting students with their social well-being and emotional health, as well as letting our parents know that we're available to anyone in the community. Absolutely. I think it was real interesting that they also brought up the research study from the 90s talking about what trauma-informed care is and how most students have some sort of trauma in their life that has impacted them and really need the support in the classroom to help remove those barriers to learning. I think that Floresville ISD is definitely on the right track with trying to remove those barriers, provide support to our students and staff to a certain extent, when, since they're helping staff members as well, to help student achievement rise within our district. Many people don't know that it's a lot more that goes into how we teach a child and, and how we teach the whole child than just everyday academics. There really has to be some support in how to deal with your feelings and how to respond to certain situations. I agree completely. And I think now more than ever, you know, we have some students who are face-to-face -face and they're sitting in their classrooms and their friends and their peers that might've been there last year, aren't there this year. And that's, you know, takes an emotional toll on the child. And same thing for the kids that are remote and maybe don't have as much socialization, you know, for health concerns. You know, we need all of those supports if we want them to grow academically, then we need to be here to support them emotionally. And I definitely think our vocal counselors are doing a great job of doing just that. And I know that the vocal counselors really wanted to highlight that they are just one piece to the puzzle in the support system, that multi-tiered support system that we provide our students, that we also have counselors on every campus mm -hmm. that also provide a large amount of support to our students. So it's just not limited to the VOCA counselors themselves, but also the everyday counselor on uh, all the campuses that provide that support to our students as well. Definitely, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a parent or a student or a staff member and you're needing some assistance, please reach out to our VOCA counselors or to the counselor who's assigned to the campus because either one of them can direct you to the right place to get the resources you need and provide the support that, that is necessary to help you get through whatever you need to get through. Absolutely. All right. Well, episode 16 is now in the books. And until next time, that's, that's a wrap. It.